What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, so we're very happy to be joined by Lindsay Zarniak, a familiar face to many of you from ESPN back in the 2010s, now works for Fox Sports and CBS for the SRX Racing Series, uh, very much in the auto racing community all the way back to the days on Turner and their NASCAR studio show back in the early 2010s. So uh, very happy to be joined by Lindsay. And of course, if you are uh, any part of the Washington sports scene, you also know her from that as well. So uh, Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time. We're happy to uh, happy to have you on our podcast. It's our first ever guest, actually. Ah, fantastic. I um, I am really excited to be here. Thank you for such a kind introduction. And I love the succulent plants behind you. Oh, uh, well, they're fake. They're fake. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. And uh, no, they're actually really nice. So there you go. Yeah. And I was actually not correct. You're our second guest after Bob Harrig was here a few weeks ago. I apologize to both you and Bob. For hey, that. she's but- much better looking than Bob. Phenomenal, phenomenal as Bob is. <laughs> He's not winning against Lindsay Zarniak. So it's an easy mistake to make. And by the yeah, way, just fine. while we're doing theater of the mind, John's yeah. background looks a lot better than mine, where I've got like Tampa Bay memorabilia hats of World Series, Stanley Cups and Super Bowls. So John is more decorative than I am. On on that, but John, go ahead. Go ahead. There. Okay. Well, yeah. Good plug. I love the plug of the Tampa Bay uh, <laughs> reign of champions. There. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Well, I have to have a good background because I teach. But you know, it is what it is. But uh, let's go ahead and <laughs> jump into the discussion about uh, your your position. This is your second year doing this. The SRX Racing Series debuted over the weekend for its second season. Uh, this is such an interesting idea because it's just a six-week season in the middle of the summer uh, and uh, something that ultimately has a lot of big names attached to it, Danica Patrick, Tony Stewart. So, you know, what is that experience like? I know you were interviewing, I believe it was uh, Marco Andretti uh, over the weekend. Yeah. So what was what's the general experience like and what was interviewing him like? Well, I mean, starting with this this show and the general experience that the reason I love it is because it really is it's so this is based loosely off of a series that was called IROC which happened which brought the best drivers from different genres right against each other and that's really what this is and 
what is awesome to me is you'll be at the track any given weekend and the caliber of drivers that are there, it is, it's awesome. I mean, Elio Castroneves was the driver that won last weekend. He's a four-time Indy 500 champion. He's one of the best drivers in IndyCar, you know, going up against some of the best, you know, champions in NASCAR and in different genres. So that's in itself is really cool because also what I've loved to watch is the way that these personalities mesh. And what I've discovered is there's a competition level that is pretty unique because these guys all travel around together for these six weeks. But at the end of the day, there's sort of a different level of, of like uh, want to and bragging rights because these guys are truly the best in the best. And it's like, they want to go out there and prove. And also, you know, we're racing on short tracks. And so that's something that the cars are um, based on stock cars, the more traditional type of car you see in NASCAR. And so these IndyCar drivers got in those cars. They didn't even know how to race them. You know, they had to figure out that. And so the whole thing has been this really interesting experiment. And I just love week in, week out, you know, you're there with just some of the greatest personalities in the sport, but also, to watch it play out like last weekend in Pensacola, it was 104 degrees. And some of those guys, when they got out of their cars, you know, they, they we had these visuals, they had ice packs. Um, one driver was literally like laying on the, pave, laying on the pavement um, because inside the car it reached levels of like 144, you know? So that just shows like the level of desire and drive that these athletes have. Um, but in terms of Marco, so Marco Andretti, is the grandson of Mario Andretti. And Marco has been in IndyCar racing for years. He's raced other forms of racing also, but he's most well associated with IndyCar. And he's racing in SRX last year. He won one of the races, um, which was in Wisconsin. And we went to his home because the Andrettis, he lives, he bought his family home in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. And Marco decided a little bit over a year ago that he was going to pull himself back from full-time racing because he wasn't getting the full fulfillment out of it I think that it required in terms of the work but he definitely still has the the drive to want to win an Indy 500 he said that that he will try to do that you know for the next five years but it was interesting perspective because he held a barbecue and he sort of lifted the veil and showed us what a day in the life is like for him and for him it's all about getting back to the roots that he had as a kid growing up literally in that house um so it was interesting. His, his grandfather, Mario, rode his golf cart up and was part of the barbecue. So it was just a really cool behind the scenes type of story. And that's really also what we're trying to do because on CBS and prime time, we realized the audience is very much, you know, people sitting at home that may have no idea about racing. And so being able to show these people that really like deep dive behind the scenes and also like what's relatable is a big key for us. So it was awesome. Now, I will say this. I am older than yes. John. I'm not an old man, but I remember the original IROC formats and remember yes. watching that growing up. And you would see Mario Andretti race against like Daryl Waltrip of yes. NASCAR fame in the old IROC. So I'm a throwback guy for your audience for this, this same kind of concept of the different series racing in the similar car to see how they would do. I just thought I would add that to our, our discussion there, John Lewis, on that part of it. Well, you know, I don't have the racing background uh, quite so much, although I do find it interesting. You cover uh, SRX, you cover NASCAR. Uh, I know you were at the Indy 500 the other day uh, as well. Am I correct about that? That you yes. were at the Indy 500? Yes. So you are someone who really is very much into auto racing and motorsports. How did you kind of get into all of that? So I was a reporter, you know, out of college. I went to James Madison University. 
in Virginia and out of school, I went to CNN and then I ended up leaving to, um, to get a job as a reporter to sort of, you know, cut my teeth. And I ended up in Jacksonville. I was a news reporter and I didn't know, I was trying to figure out the direction and I, I pivoted because I randomly, this is such a weird story, but I went with a friend to Daytona and we were there just sort of enjoying a weekend, right? Cause I live nearby and we met some folks that were working for Speed Channel when we were there and they knew what I did and we made the connection about being journalists. And so that was that. And then flash forward when Dale Senior, Dale Earnhardt Senior died, they did a tribute concert um, in Daytona and the people there remembered that I worked there and they called and they said, hey, we know you're a news reporter, but we need someone to interview fans because there's going to be such a crowd turnout. Would you be able to meet us in, um, you know, at the racetrack and you can work for us for that weekend? And so I was at a position where my station let me go do it. And after that, they had an opening, Speed Channel did, for their ARCA series. And ARCA is like the grassroots level of stock car driving and, comp and competing. And they said, we have a pit reporter position. We would love if you, you know, would consider doing this with us. And my station was willing to let me go and do it if it was on my off time. So I did 13 weekends in a row of ARCA pit reporting. And I, I really didn't know anything. And I had to learn from the ground up. And it was a very intimidating scenario, but it was also so awesome because everyone in racing that I was asking these questions of, they were just so welcoming and so nice. And also what I found was the producers that I worked with, I really had to lean on them to be like, this sounds like such a stupid question I'm about to ask, but like, I really don't know this. I mean, I had, you know what I mean? I had to learn the difference from a chassis to a, a whatever, you know? And um, so that was that. And along the same time, as I got interested more and more in motorsports, and I really fell in love with it because what struck me was the family dynamic of it all. And, and honestly, the work that goes into it, because you've got to have a different level of passion to want to do that week in and week out. And really that's all you're doing during the week also, because you are building your own race cars, you're paying for it. You're, you're grabbing funding where you can get it. It takes a lot. And while I was doing that, I get, I got this interest in it. And so the sports crew that I was working at the station with in Jacksonville, I was doing news, but they said, Hey, you want to come with us to a NASCAR race? Cause that's where we're going. And we could just use your help. And we know that you're learning about the sport. And I was like, sure, I'll tag along. And we, I went and we were waiting in victory lane to interview the winner and while we were waiting there, we became friendly with this TV crew from Miami, Florida, and it was a sports crew. And at the end of that day, they said, you know what, we have an opening for a sports anchor and reporter, and we would love to talk to you about it. And that is total, that's how it happened. That's how like my pivot happened into sports and racing at the same time. And um, that was a really long winded answer. I'm so sorry, but that's, that's what the story <laughs> is. So I didn't expect it, but it, it came out of nowhere and it's been such an awesome experience. And that's why for me, there is something about racing that just feels like it, it just, I love it. And it's like, it feels sort of like home in this weird way. Love uh, Lindsay Zarniak's insight. And I can convey this as well, having been at Daytona for those that have not been there and you've just recently been to Indianapolis as well, but at Daytona convey to them because you've worked it, you've been there as a fan 
that first of all, you can't appreciate how big the track is, how big the complex is. Same thing as Indianapolis. But the second thing is when they start to rumble off of turn three into turn four and the hair on the back of my neck is standing up right now, you don't, you do not have to be a racing fan to appreciate what that is. Lindsay elaborate on that and how it, it hooks people at a, at an event like what Daytona is into becoming a racing fan. Yeah. So I used to actually, when I lived in Miami, I would go to the beach on an off day. And if there was a NASCAR race on, there was this swath of time where I would listen to it on the radio because of the sound that you're talking about. It's this like, you know, and it, that it gives me chills too. It's like, but when you're there in person at Daytona, it is, it gives you chills the moment you see it because it's just this, it's almost like a dance. Like, it's like you, you know what it is? You see it, you hear it, you smell it and you feel the wind you know, from whatever direction it's blowing you. And I, for me, it happens to me even before I get in the track, when you go down that tunnel, like when you're getting, you're in the tunnel, you're getting ready to drive under and then come up, you know, into the infield of the racetrack. That's where it's like, whoa. And it's, you know, there's also this weird, like childlike thing about racing for me, from my perspective. And I do think in some way, it, I, it, it's like some weird connection to remembering when you were a kid and you like played with those racetracks where you would hit the, you know, the little, whatever you call it, um, controller and they would go up and down the wall. Like it's to me, racetracks are just so beautiful. Like when you show up to a track, it's like, really? Like, this is what people do for a living. This is awesome. And I feel the same way about football. You know, I think that the late, um, Washington player, Sean Taylor said it once in an interview, he was like, um, we play a child's game for a King's ransom. Mm -hmm. And I love that statement because I just think in sports, you know, I, I often try to remind myself of like, okay, what you do for a living, like, wow. Right. Like this is a really awesome thing. But I also think people don't necessarily always understand the blood, sweat and tears that goes into it for every athlete for real. And the, and the backgrounds and the stories and, I think there's so much to learn from athletes in every sport just about that and adversity. And, you know, now I'm totally going into like deep thoughts with Lindsay Zarniak, but I think that it's, um, you know, it's just exciting. And yeah, the racing thing, you, you did this because you mentioned Daytona. So that's what it is, but also Indy, I mean, that, that is just a whole different can of worms because those cars, they're going 230 miles an hour. And like, I thought stock cars were, magical and then you see that in person and it's like oh my god you know and indy uh forgive me for not knowing off the top of my head you went as a fan or were you working the broadcast for nbc uh i was working but i wasn't for nbc i was working for the speedway and for indycar so this was actually such an awesome experience because they asked me to come um indycar did the, the governing body and or the series you know and mm -hmm. the racetrack basically they said hey we we host, we put together a banquet um, each year that's basically the victory celebration dinner. And it's the Monday after the race. And this year that that celebration dinner was broadcast on Peacock. And so they asked me to come and co-host it with Dave Calabro, who's like an indie legend, and he's been doing it for years. Um, what's so awesome about that dinner is that they interview, we got to interview every single driver that ran the race. And you start from 33rd <laughs> to the winner. And for me, like the crazy thing is this is 24 hours after less than 24 hours after they've just won, you know, or, or race the biggest race like of their career. So 
no one wants to be there except the winner. You know what I mean? Like, cause you don't want to be on that stage talking about what happened, but it was so awesome. Like as a journalist, it was just so cool to be able to have these conversations and also to just interact. And what I discovered is I thought the show was like masterfully produced because the IndyCar group, uh, the drivers and their teams, like they, they interact so well and so uniquely they're funny. They joke with each other. It was a really cool thing to see. Um, so that's what I was doing. And then I also got to just take part in stuff around the weekend with the track, but that was really cool too, because the way that our industry is changing, I feel like I've never had an opportunity to do that, to work actually for a series. And that's pretty cool because it gives you a different type of access. And I really value that, you know, based, like for everything that I do in sports, because that only really helps. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Again, a few more moments here. Lindsay Zarniak is with us. You know this voice. You know her from ESPN Sports Center. her coverage of the Olympics as well with NBC. It is the second season of the SRX Super Racing Experience. It is on as we release the podcast Saturday night in prime time for the summer on CBS. I love her insight. Before you are gone, we've got a couple more that we want to ask you. Uh, one of them, you and I actually are intertwined slightly for this reason. So I'm going to make you smile on this one. I, I don't know in the pandemic crazy year of 2020, did you work a week one football game that year in an empty stadium? I don't yes. know if you did. I see you nodding. Yes. Okay. All right. Week one, that 2020 year, eventually won by who else? John Lewis and Lindsey Zarniak, but my Champa Bay Buccaneers eventually got the Super Bowl win in the pandemic year in Raymond James Stadium, by the way. All right. In that pandemic year, we did every game in the home stadium, including the road games on TV because of the, the travel concerns, because of the guidelines, et cetera. We, we did what almost every other NFL broadcaster did radio-wise, and that is you did the game out of either a studio or the home stadium. So we had done the week one game watching all of this in an empty Superdome where Brady and the Buccaneers lost to Breeze and the Saints. Week two is a Buccaneer home game against the Carolina Panthers. And I am down in the front row of the stands of Raymond James Stadium in an empty stadium, and Lindsey Zarniak is working on the Fox Sports crew with me. And there was more than one occasion when I looked at you and you looked at me. We now have had a couple of years to think about that. And you had done it the week before, but th yeah. that I've done some crazy things in this business. And that is as crazy to stand in an empty stadium where you can hear the players talking on the field, Lindsay, no exaggeration. You can yeah. hear the coaches yeah. on the opposing sideline yelling things at the ref and to the players because yeah. there's no one there. Pick up on that, please, because you and I are kind of intertwined two, you know, on, that, on that mayhem. Two things that I think about from that. Number one, uh, yeah, I remember vividly that game. And you talked about hearing the players. What I was so struck by was the injuries, hearing this stuff. Okay, like I remember I was covering one game. I think it was in Indy that year. And I saw a player run off the field and he goes, my finger, I broke my finger. And I was like, <laughs> I, I literally froze because I was so compelled by like what I was watching. And these two trainers came over and just 
stuck that thing right back into place. And I was like, oh my gosh, like the level of that, that we, that I heard that I saw was like, okay, that's eye opening. Or like, there's a player vomiting in a trash can on a sideline. I would have never seen that. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you're covered by people and you're, you're the crowd noise and everything. Um, so I, it, it was so eye opening and it was a testament. I think like, you know, pl- every player always talked about how big a deal it was to have the fans there. And I think that really obviously highlighted it, but that, that one game that you mentioned, I remember the, one of the coolest things that I'll never forget is so Leonard Fournette, um, game. I remember he came out of that tunnel because one of the, the tough things was figuring out how to talk to players pregame mm-hmm. because you're not on the field, you know? So we weren't. So I would have to kind of hang out by a tunnel to catch them when they were walking in. And I was able to talk to Leonard and he, at that point had really just come on with a team and he was just given that shot to join the team. And he, I was like, we were just reconnecting and he shared the story about how he got the call and the opportunity and how he, after he got that call, he went in his car and he just started crying and he called his mom. And for some reason, like, I know that sounds like a cheesy story, but that, that will always stick with me because mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my God, here's a guy that has had such a successful career, thought he was done potentially. And now has gone on to be such a difference maker for them. You know, I mean, absolutely incredible. And so w- watching that, that whole year, I don't know. It also, did it make you feel closer to the team and to the players because you're kind of like all in this together it it was weird because i was in the same boat while working for the team but i was not allowed to have contact or access and so to pull the curtain back a little further on what Lindsay's talking about we would stand in the front row they would come over maybe by us by a tunnel and we're literally 20 or 30 feet away from them having a conversation because we're not allowed by the guidelines to be up next to them much less even on the field with them talking to them the whole thing was weird. And just one more elaborate on this, because it took some getting used to. You're looking out there going, that is Tom Brady not playing for the New England Patriots. That is Tom Brady playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in an empty stadium. A stadium that would have been going berserk under normal circumstances has no one here, Lindsay. Yeah, and so I wonder, I wonder in a way if that was helpful for him. I don't know, but knowing like how, you know, and you know, but like knowing how, how much of like a student he is. I wonder if that in some way helped that transition of not being, you know, being in the spotlight, but it was sort of in a different way. Um, because I do remember really thinking about that, that one game Bruce Arians told us, here's where we are right now. Right now I'm, I'm dating the hot girl and I'm just trying not to mess it up. And, and so it was so funny. Cause then I remember we came back mid season and he had some other analogy for it. He's like, okay, we're at the, we're past the honeymoon phase, but whatever it was. But um, you know, the other thing that I was blown away by was the stories that we would hear at that game specifically about how the lengths that he had gone to, to make these connections with his players. And I, you know, I can never, I love hearing those stories, just behind the scenes stories of like, you know, how Tom does it and the way that he would really foster this personal personal connection with the guys um but also during the pandemic that was harder too so i i just think the whole thing's fascinating and i still can't believe that we're talking about you know the champion buccaneers it's like it's it's awesome the whole story is great the the only moment i had and john i'm coming back right back to you before we're done with Lindsay. the only moment that i had where i really was questioning my sanity how surreal is this 
is in the Super Bowl. I'm in the front row again, and I was I was down there with the Westwood One reporter, Laura Oakman, who you know your, yes, your, your colleague, love her. love her, with Fox Sports. So she was there for Westwood One, and Tracy Wolfson was over there with us from CBS. We're the only ones allowed in that front row. Now, there's fans. There were about 20,000 fans this time, and the cardboard cutouts. When the Buccaneers finally scored a touchdown, and uh, Brady throwing it to Rob Gronkowski right in front of me. And Gronkowski, by the way, as we're doing the podcast, has announced he's retired. Is he retired? Is he done, done? Is he going to maybe still go back on that and come back and play? We don't know. So Brady throws the touchdown to Gronkowski, and they're shooting off some, some, some smoke, fireworks, or whatever. And I'm looking up at the scoreboard. I'm looking back at the field going, that is Tom Brady throwing a touchdown to Rob Gronkowski in Buccaneer colors in a Super Bowl in Raymond James Stadium. Have the aliens taken over? Have I, have I just lost my mind? That was, yeah. the, that was the real moment that I had that February. It was just a surreal, surreal time. But in any event, we shared that. It's crazy. We got through all of it. John, do we have anything in closing here with Lindsay? Anything else you want to ask or cover before we're good with her? Yeah, you know, I would like to talk a little bit about, obviously, your very long run with ESPN. So you joined ESPN, if I recall, 2011, straight from Turner, where you'd been doing NASCAR for a bit. And, you know, you had a pretty strong rise there uh, to, you know, 6 p.m. Sports Center. A lot of it was solo, sometimes with John Anderson. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I, you obviously have talked about this before. You go on maternity leave, they change the format of the show, and then it's kind of questionable after that, like what your role is. Uh, how did that really, one, how did that kind of end at ESPN if you're comfortable going into that? And two, does your position now where you are working for multiple different outlets kind of give you maybe a little bit more flexibility and maybe a little bit of a better maybe work-life balance than you had before when you were on SportsCenter all those years? So the last question about work-life balance is it's TBD <laughs> because it's always a shit show. It is. Um, I'm still figuring that part out and I'm being honest because the work-life balance is just never that's it's hard. And I, but, but there are definitely bright spots about that situation with the event, more of the event coverage. That's true. Um, but there are also ways that it makes it more challenging and that's very true as well. So that's sort of to be determined. I do think there's something that's been really awesome to me about working with all of these different networks because it is, it's really cool to be able to work with the different groups of people. And then you're just, you're, you know, you're figuring out how the different networks do it. And that's been really cool to be a part of because they're, you know, top of the top. And it's like, I just really enjoy working with so many different people, different teams. Um, and also the variety of what it is. That's awesome. Sports Center was so much fun. And I still have a lot of friends there. That just one thing. It, so I knew that I was leaving the six o'clock before I went out on maternity leave. So just to clarify that one detail, because it wasn't like I left on maternity leave and then didn't know that all had happened before. Um, so when I came back, I was, you know, it was, it was really cool because I was doing Special Olympics and then I was hosting the Morning Sports Center. But the end there, it was something that I look back on and it wasn't, it wasn't a negative. I think at the time it was, the timing was right for it to happen. And truth be told, they were, they were really great. Like I had a manager come down to meet me where I live and said, hey, we really want you to do this. They wanted me to be a part of the, um, the weekend show, which is great. That's one of their 
you know, best shows. But I knew at that point that there was other stuff that I wanted to do. And so the way that it had played out for me, it became very apparent that like, this is the time where if I can go out and explore doing some more event coverage and rather than just being, you know, doing solo studio hosting only, that's what I wanted to do. So I get, you know, as I look at the big picture, there is so much that I have learned from the experience of being there and then leaving there. I really, really have always believed that reporting um, for me personally is very important because I really love to have like the firsthand knowledge of what I'm talking about. And even if you can't do it all, obviously, but back in the days when I, you know, I went to ESPN from WRC in um, Washington and I was doing this stuff on turn for Turner on the side, but WRC, you know, you're out there reporting every single day from the Washington football team or, you know, commanders, what we're calling them um, camp. And then I would come back and anchor those shows at night. And I think that there's some version of that that I really crave. Like for me doing the studio hosting, that was a blast. And there were certain times that it was like, it felt like, wow, this is the best thing I've ever done on a national level. This is awesome. But I also just really love being able to develop those relationships on my own and, and have that access. So I don't really know what your question was at that point that's gotten me to this, <laughs> but like, I just, I think it's all really a great experience. And as I figure out now, like, I'm blessed to have these options of doing these different events, you know, and if for me now I am getting that variety and I am learning, I think how to um, schedule my time a little better because you do have to be a little bit more intentional when you're doing it this way, when you're doing like an NFL season and then you've got an Olympic year and this other stuff. But I really found that event coverage is, is something that really like gets me going. Okay, you've got to get going. We do too, but I've got one more to ask. For those that don't know, Lindsay's husband is Craig Melvin of the Today Show. Very popular in our house. It's on all the time. <laughs> you have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old at the time we're doing the podcast. I'm just curious, do they still get a big kick or is it no big deal out of dad and mom being on TV? Because again, I have 14-year-olds. I'm not on TV that often, but I'm doing radio stuff. They used to care. As they got older, Lindsay, they care less. Do your two, do they see dad? Do they see you and they care and oh there they are and we're waving how does it work real quick I mean they don't really care that much my daughter in the morning when we're downstairs if we're you know having breakfast together she'll be like oh there's dad um <laughs> that's cool I think no they don't like it's not that big a deal I do try to take my kids I'll tell you one thing like they do I used to love, especially when I was at Sports Center, they were great about like when my son was young, I would take him to like the NBA finals with me, just like travel him. You know, I, I took care of the room. I had a sitter with me and that was really special. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't remember all of it, but like that for us, there are certain things he does remember that I'm like, that's really cool. Um, but now they just want us to like feed them and you know, let them have ice cream. And that is much cooler than mom or dad being on TV. I think they get confused. And I think that their friends also get confused, which is very funny. I was in a classroom and there was a teacher. I was doing like an art presentation and the teacher said, let's, they were talking about pop art and um, using Andy Warhol as an example and his image of Marilyn Monroe. And the teacher said, who's someone that you guys see all the time that would be a famous person that you could do like this? And one of the kids was like, Dell's dad my Melvin and I was like that's great like I'm gonna leave the classroom now because that's not what we need like that's not true so it's you know it's like a weird dynamic but um 
but no, right now we are totally just mom and dad. They want us to just tuck them in at night and, um, you know, and for them to be able to steal like gummy bears. And where it's the ice cream, no doubt. Yeah. John, we've enjoyed Lindsay. Absolutely. Uh, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it and look forward to seeing you on the SRX again this weekend. And then come the fall, NFL on Fox once again. Thank you, guys. It's been great talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. Right. Hope to see you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.